and welcome to the Christmas issue uh, of the New Model Advisor podcast. This is Jack Gilbert here, Chief Reporter at New Model Advisor. Today we're going to be chatting about the biggest stories of 2017. Uh, with me, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, my editor, Will Robbins. Hello. Good to have you, Will. Uh, we've also got here Phil Young, Managing Director of Zero Supports. Hello. Phil, please you could join us. We've also got Crackers. And we have the second cheapest bottle uh, from Sainsbury's of Prosecco, which we've uh, managed to splash it's cold. out on. It's cold. At least. It is cold. It's been yeah. in the fridge, chilled. so it's chilled. <laughs> if someone wants to help me open this, who's good at opening champ- uh, bottles of Prosecco? Go on, I'll, I'll give it a go. You're going to give it a go? No, I'm, got not, very I'm not especially good at it. We've got ex- very expensive yeah. equipment here, yeah. Phil, so we don't want to see anything uh, broken. I'll try my best. Be open for a dramatic. Sort of explosion, or I think that, oh, that oh, was great. Hey. Excellent. Hey, cheers. That Shall was pour? a real sound pour, effect. Pour. Shall I do it? You know, officially. This is a man who's clearly waited tables. He's, he's, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, pour a bottle of champagne before. But thank you very much. There we go. Thank you very much. There we go. Thanks very much. Thank Merry much. Christmas. Merry Christmas, yeah. cheers, guys. Merry Christmas, everyone. Cheers. cheers. Let's take a little swig. You wouldn't know it's the second cheapest, Jack. No. Maybe the maybe it's the cheapest. <laughs> and you've also got crackers. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. Phil? We're going to pull. We're going to pull. Yes. Pull. What's inside the what have, you, what have you got there? I've got one of those little spinning tops, first of all. Like so. dreidel kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. Joke. Joke. Go. Financial Go. services joke. Always a winner. <laughs> um... How do dinosaurs pay their bills? I don't know. With Tyrannosaurus checks. Uh, Get in. Uh, <laughs> That's be- that is better than I was thinking it was going to be. <laughs> uh, is there anything else in there, That's Phil? Great. Yep, there's a headline. What's the oh, headline? wow. So the headline is Intelligent Pensions Agrees with FCA to Stop DB Transfer Business. Yep, so this was the news in the summer that uh, Intelligent Pensions came to a voluntary agreement with the Financial Conduct Authority to stop its DB transfer advice business. Uh, so, guys, this was quite big news at the time. This was, I mean, I think it was uh, surprising news um, for us. I mean, just in, Intelligent Pensions is a, is a very big and well-known name. Um, you know, and I think, uh, I mean, I don't, as far as I know, that situation hasn't, still hasn't been resolved yet. No. Um, and it was just, just came at that point where the DB transfer story, so to speak, and certainly sort of the FCA's activity and involvement, or degree of involvement, was starting to pick up or starting to reach the level at which perhaps some people thought it ought to be. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was, a, it was obviously a lot of advisors had, had put their business, had, had uh, referred their business to, to intelligent pensions. So... Affected a lot of our readers because I mean the, does, I the story wasn't really about intelligent pensions. It was more about I mean yeah, because I mean, because they outsourced for how many uh, hundreds of firms used there. I, I think it was just the the pivotal moment where I mean right back to t- 2014 when pension freedoms and choice came in. Um, plenty of people out there have been saying this is going to go wrong at some point in time, and certainly straight away even before the um, pension freedoms actually came in force as of 2015. 
there was a spike in, in DB transfer activities off the back of that. Um, I think th this bit in this particular story when outsource suppliers started to get the backside kicked by the regulator, and there's no two ways about it, you know, the regulator went out there and, and, and stopped, took permissions away, and they were pretty proactive with that part of it, was the moment where even those people that weren't involved in it, that were kind of going, yeah, it's not going to be the same this time around as it was years ago um, with previous pension scandals, uh, people are better qualified, there isn't commission anymore. A lot of people looked at this one and said, look, if intelligent pensions are getting this fundamentally wrong, then there's a lot of people that haven't got the same experience and reputation as those mm. guys. So this this could well be a big widespread problem out there. And I think since, since the summer, um, when we saw that story, we've just seen an explosion of of more and more of these things that start to come out of the woodwork now. At the moment, we're, we're right in the middle of the, the British, British steel scandal. stuff. It's really just one long um, continuation of a, of a story that's been bubbling almost since 2014. There's plenty of people out there that are digging out their predictions from 2014 saying, I told you it was going to go wrong at some point. I knew this was going to be a scandal. Yeah, I, yeah. Knew it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of one of those. You know, <laughs> I've been calling it a slow-moving train crash for a... For, for a long time It's been now. pretty fast moving at the moment. It, it's starting to speed up and, I, and I've also noticed quite a few people that were um, sort of cheerleading the whole pension freedoms thing and, and, and DB transfers to some extent. And there's quite a few commentators that now look like they're jumping off, off that, that, that train that's about to crash and jumping onto the other side and now saying, yeah, we, we also said it was all going to go wrong and the regulator <laughs> needs to intervene pretty Clearly, it's a, there's, there's a bit of rampant hypocrisy at the moment, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, with so that, within Intelligent Pensions, and there was other, I think, three other major outsource providers who were also um, uh, agreed to these permission restrictions. Um, what do you think of the fact the FCA looked at specifically at the firms providing the outsourced advice rather than flag up individual and small specific issues with the firms passing on the advice? Uh, fu fundamentally, they'd taken on the majority of the, yeah, you know, they've taken on the responsibility for, for doing that piece of work. So the, the the obvious targets, and also they're the ones doing high volumes of it. So most people that are outsourcing it aren't arguably um, doing that many of these businesses. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of a vacuum at the moment. You know, what the regulator will see is, uh, on a, in a kind of real-time basis, maybe quarterly, maybe six-monthly updates from pension providers, just showing them the amount of money that's coming into their pension products and where that's come from, so how much has come from DB transfers. Uh, there isn't that kind of data feed that comes in from individual advisors, and there certainly isn't any kind of uh, oversight over anyone that's outsourced that activity. So it's difficult for the FCA to do anything other than pick on pick on these sorts of firms for it. Um, but I think it'll leave a lot of people asking questions around how much they really can step away from it and say that they're, that they're completely they're not responsible for any of that activity in that work, even if you've introduced it on just because they've made a decision to introduce it to certain people. There's a degree of culpability that everybody's got for it if you've introduced it to somebody who's made a bad job of it and you continue to do so. You've got no oversight over it. In particular, I know that some people out there that get a kickback from the outsource uh, supply that they, they they pass it on to as well, so yeah, they'll be feeling a little bit nervous, I would imagine. Yeah, as well, is right that how, le how legitimate is is that? to be getting I, I think it's not necessarily that it's not legitimate it's just if you're if you're washing your hands of the of the advice mm. and saying look it's nothing to do with me whatsoever but fundamentally you're earning money from that mm. introduction from what goes on I think it just makes it a lot easier for you to get drawn into any future complaints uh, along the way for it so 
I, I, you, know, you can actually do commercial deals along these lines forward, I think, but it's um, it's it's a pretty sticky wicket to then claim that you've, you've you know that, that it's not your responsibility, you're not liable for it. What happens to these clients as well? So you you know I, I mean I know a lot of them must come to firms straight like fresh, so they're not existing clients. So I guess that's yeah. part of it, right? So a lot of what we've been talking in the last few years, we an advice our readers been characterised by like holistic financial planning and long-term relationships. And this in particular bucked that trend. So it was back to um, transactional uh, relationship to an extent where, or at least the beginnings of one, where sort of beginnings of relationship was someone was saying, I want this piece of work done. Name me, you know, name, name the price, the cost or whatever. Um, but then that's, you know, what, so, what, so what's happening to these people? They come to a firm and either they take them on and do the transfer advice. But if they outsource it, then... Yeah, where do they go? Is it just that they've said, well, I've passed you on to someone because I don't want anything to do with this? Or, yes, I can give you, you know, pass you on to someone who can deal with the transfer. Then you can come back to me and, and we'll, we'll do some more work the, with you. The nub of the issue with intelligent pensions, I believe, uh, certainly what, from what I've seen with other outsourced um, providers uh, where they've had to adjust the process, mm -hmm. has been um, that the advisors basically said, you need to go to, to this outsourced supplier for the pure DB transfer advice but here's the platform, here's the funds, et cetera, mm. that you're going to be invested mm. in at the back end of it all. Um, now, what you know, what the, the outsource supplier has done is basically just take the instructions from the advisor about where the, the product's going to be invested. And it's impossible to do uh, a TVAS calculation, any of this stuff, without actually plugging in what's you know, wh where the client's going to be invested at the back end of it, where, you know, once the, the money's the actually been be. made available. Ex exactly. So as a result of that, I think the FCA has gone to sit, you know, pointed out to these um, outsourced suppliers to say you're on the hook for all of this advice. Mm. However, you're not even checking to see whether this makes any sense. And some of those, you know, s s some of the um, people that are looking to do this on scale, on mass, are effectively asset managers one way or another. You know, it's it's larger, vertically integrated firms, whatever you want to want to call them, that either. Um, own a bit of the platform or make some margin on a platform, make some margin on a on a DFM service or something like that. And provide the TVAS reports. And provide the TVAS reports. And um, yeah, that, that's where I think people are going to end up starting to ask a lot of questions about it to say that you know, there's just too many conflicts in there to, and not everyone understands where all of those are. But certainly with, a, with, with back to July, that particular headline, I think that the real problem with with the likes of independent, uh, intelligent pensions and selective pension and people like that, was they weren't really checking. They weren't taking full responsibility for that piece of advice. The advisor was pretty much steering where the, the assets were going to go. So they were almost, it was a, a kind of a combination of two parties that were actually giving the advice. And you can guarantee that both parties would have wanted to try and wash their hands of responsibility mm. if it goes wrong. And I mean, what do you, both of you think about the provider's role in all of this? Well, I mean, we know that... <laughs> The, pro the providers ga gain from DB transfers occurring. Um, I mean, I know we've, we've kind of asked them, and that some of them have given us kind of numbers over the last year to see to what extent that is helping boost their asset inflows, you know, wherever that goes, to funds or to the platform and so on. Um, I mean, they, what's their role? I mean, they, I, I, think, I, think, I think the, scrut the, scrut the, the scrutiny and the question they've got to be under is, is that whether they are kind of, you know, helping facilitate them or encouraging advisors down a particular route at all. I mean, to some extent, you'd have thought they'd they'd be able to kind of sort of sit back and <laughs> let you know let let, 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 let it happen. Yeah, I mean, why why you know, there's no need for them sort of. So, what's the incentive to kind of 
you know, um, push things when it's sort of this huge, you know, the demographics and the kind of legislation, everything kind of work, works itself out. But um, they've got a responsibility and, and it's not just a, uh, the relationship, you know, the relationship providers have with advisors and with, and with the press, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of communications and opinion and views that go out there and they have influence, uh, you know, lobbying and so on. So um, they do have a responsibility, but uh, I don't know, Phil, if you've got more, it, more particular insights it, into it's kind of, of it, what, it's, what a, it's a bit of a one way ticket for most of the for, for the money. Um, if you're a provider, you know, it's not the sort of business that can be unwound. You're not going to be able to send this money back to the to the trustees um, if there's a if there's a complaint and that's upheld. So, um, the, the, you know, some some providers have been pretty cautious on it, but mm. a lot of them. Um, it's been a, a huge driver of new business for them. Um, so the, you know, there's plenty of them out there that are trying to create more capacity in the market for more of that to go on. But everyone wants to, that you, you can just see already that they're, um, they're trying to distance themselves from the future problem that's inevitable. Conscious pilot of the uh, a little financial bit. A little bit. And, um, and, and they'll also, uh, you know, don't under underestimate the amount of pressure that will be in. Some of these firms will be looking at their competitors hearing stories about how much business they're getting in from from db transfer work in particular and people will be under an, all, a, an awful lot of pressure to say why aren't we making as much money why aren't we getting as, as much asset flow coming in uh, you know are we taking an overly cautious approach yeah. to this and you saw i mean aviva announced a story that we broke earlier in the year that they're launching a, a competitor to, to prove the proof fund range today which is obviously yeah. indicative of this desire to have products yeah. that are going to get DB transfer money onto their platforms. Uh, well, it's, it's draw. I mean, it's drawdown money, isn't it? And it's really? money that it's and it's of, funds yeah. that try and smooth out volatility. That you it, get. It, it, there's, there's an element w with all of these guys of, of basically following where where the money goes. I mean, whether Aviva have done this. Yeah. Well, if if you look at Aviva trying to, it's you know launching me two propositions. That they'll have seen huge amounts of flow go into that Prudential from whether or not they're, they're launching it too late and. You know that 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 particular wave has been and gone. I don't know, but um, it's just indicative of, of the pressure that these guys are under to, to to attract big swathes of business in. So if you're if you're working for a pension provider and you've not been you've been very cautious, not been active in the in the DB transfer market, for example, there is probably somebody that's asking you questions to say why the hell aren't we getting a load of business? Why aren't we twenty thirty percent up as some of these providers are because of DB transfer money? I think I think just the last just a word on that is I think ultimately though you know there's no kind of I don't know there's no sort of great conspiracy with the providers I mean the the government of you know things have been set up to to the, uh, the make transfers or whatever you know um, possible to do you know and, and 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 attractive to a lot of individuals and it's that the pressure really ends up still with advisors you know insistent clients and so on and it will the buck will ultimately stop with them I mean I think we're right to ask questions when. I think some <clears throat> some particular issues, such as the provision of free TVAS reports, TVAS reports yeah. and stuff like, though there's where you can kind of make an argument to say that there's a there's a kind of in, in, you, you're putting an advisor down a path where they'll place business with, that, with you. But that, that's more about but that's more about saying that I don't know. It, it, it I guess it's in part could be seen to incentivise the transfer. It's more about a winning business. That's more about winning the business of that advisor who's already doing transfers rather than sort of stoking the flames too much to transfers. But I mean, maybe that's an overly kind of uh, kind Too generous <laughs> there, well, you too generous, but, 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 the, but, 
No one's going to be able to pin it on the pro no. providers. All right? They're going to be it's advisors who are giving the advice. The Unless the providers also giving transfer advice, in which case. Well, that's another another matter. And uh, Will, I think you've got another Christmas. Another cracker. cracker. Yeah. Gonna, I'm going to put it with Phil. Come on, Phil. Ooh. We always want another so one. Oh, I've got a ring. Cool. Plenty of gifts here. What else have you got there, Phil? Another, another Christmas cracker. Um, who was the first stockbroker? Stephen Hawk, Stephen Lansdowne? No. It was Noah. He floated stock while the world was in liquidation. That's quite, that's quite good, actually. <laughs> that's agrarian. I, I think that's, that's overly clever. That's too complicated. It's too <laughs> clever for me. That's a great audience. Yeah. That's, that's great. Amazing. That's yeah. how it should be. Yeah. I don't want these jokes to be too funny. Yeah. And I'm glad to see that that hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> follow, follow my instructions. What did he expect to the letter? Yeah, that's great. And yep. is there a headline there? Yep, the headline is uh, Old Mutual Drops IFDS for FNZ on £450 million platform project. I, I imagine that there was quite a bit of time and care and attention put into the press release when that was sent out to you on it. Um, the, I, I know that there's a, there's a lot of platforms, smaller platforms um, than, than Old Mutuals, that have beaten themselves up over, over recent years over their replatforming exercise. I've had quite a lot of flack from advisors over it. Um, it's cost them, you know, 20 million, 10 million, those sorts of, of, of amounts of money for it. And they've gone a little it's bit quite early. small, though, in the scheme they, of things. They, they must now be Man. laughing. That they'll be going to their bosses, whoever did that job with that headline <laughs> saying, I, I want to I pay rise right now. I am a hero. Um, but, you know, there's a few out there that did it quite early. And I, I don't think there's anybody really that's done this sort of an exercise where it's been completely pain free. Um, because it's a it's it's a, a big onerous task to to undertake. So when you start to see those, I I, I think most advisors and, and most people in the industry struggle to see how you manage to spend half a let's let's call it half a billion. We're amongst Doesn't friends sound great, now. Does it? Half a billion pounds, unless you've got like a flux capacitor in, in that platform, and there's there's time travel involved or something like that. Could it's have, really difficult. Could have gone so. halfway to like helping those waspy women. Yeah. I mean, think about that. <laughs> exactly. All the things you could do. Yeah. With half a billion. <laughs> you could have bought uh, Manchester City's defence, maybe, or maybe maybe half the Manchester City some, team some, for yeah, that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No. Well, they're looking. They're looking well. strong this year. By the way, by the way, listeners, I know nothing about football, <laughs> so, so I waded into that. You know, quite full hardy. <laughs> with a, with a mouthful of prosecco. Yeah. Down yeah, here. yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a huge story, and um, it kind of, I suppose, it it really got to the, the nub of the replatforming issue, and and was the moment when we all kind of stood there and said, "Wow, this is." This is pretty major for these guys. You know, with, is it, I mean, really interesting business story. But I mean, for, for advisors, and Phil, you can help with this, like, do they, do they get it? I mean, I know, apart from the big, was it just the big number made them sort of, where do they get it, like, this, this, uh, this affects us? I, I know there's a few advisors that are that, um, using Open Mutual's platform that, I mean, it doesn't do certain things that they've been promising for a while will come in, right. in, into play. So, for example, we know that um, DFM-run model portfolio services have been a big thing in the industry over the course of the past couple of years or so. That's, that's real, really exploded. And that platform can't cope with that sort of functionality, for example. So there's quite a few that have been sat waiting and waiting and waiting. And we know that the timescales have kept getting pushed further and further out that maybe would have looked at it and gone, 
it doesn't affect how much money I pay. Hopefully, it's not going to affect how much money the, the platform costs if they can if they can swallow that cost. So at least we're seeing some sort of movement, um, and there's an acknowledgement that things aren't right, things aren't being fixed. So we need to do something about it. So it could go either, either way for most advisors. You're right. Most people want to know what they're going to get and when they're going to get it. And there'll be a, lot of, a bunch of advisors out there where the current platform kind of almost does what they need it to do. So they'll be, you know wondering if this is going to effectively just cause a load of trouble and a load of hassle further mm. down the line for it all. We do know that um, these platform moves are are painful, as I say, and, and you know, Old Mutual is one of the biggest out there with probably a lot of legacy clients and a lot of legacy systems out there. So it's going to be complicated one way or another. But I think the, the kind of the, the fever that people had and the kind of real passion for platforms, if I can be so sad as to call it that, <laughs> that happened about 10 years ago. It was all yeah. kind of, yeah. everyone was very much kind of down with product providers, platforms of the future and all the rest of it. We need to get a platform. We, I, need, we need our It's all platform. about platforms are cool. Platforms are kind of, you know, the, it's an exciting thing to be. It's all new. Well, people have it on their website. Like, we use Transact. Yeah, but I, th I think now most people are kind of go uh, platforms have just become... The new providers, in some respects, you know, we've seen. They are providers. Well, yeah, <laughs> and we've, because we've seen more and more product providers just move to being platforms. You know, yeah. ar archetypal providers like um, Zurich being one of the latest ones to Aegon. People like that mm. have, have just moved into become platform providers and rebranched in that way. And I think fundamentally, most people are starting to realise that really a platform does. A small number of things for you know it allows you to buy sell stuff hold things on a platform and value things and the clients couldn't care less about the platform <laughs> whatsoever so you're right i've seen people over the years put which the platform they use on a website as if anybody actually cares about it and i think we'll see over the course of the next few years now i think we've hit peak interest in platforms <laughs> and now we'll just Don't see people kind of go and, well I, I think in many respects they kind of agree that it's it's slowly becoming a utility uh, everybody knows that the clients could not get, I mean, as a client myself, I just want the cheapest po possible platform. And I know, because I work in the industry, that um, there's certain things that a platform helps my advisor do and, and, does, and all the rest of it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you, you want the absolute cheapest one if there's problems, blah, blah, blah. But fundamentally, all you want to know is none of that affects me in my life. Um, if I'm paying for an expensive platform, then that affects me in my life because it's, you know, a few grand extra that could be spending on cheap champagne or Prosecco yeah. or something what's like the, that. The second cheapest yeah. bottle of champagne. Yeah, exactly. The second so what's the, I mean, we're there, I mean, uh, I'll say, what's the point of the FCA's platform paper? I think there's two parts to it. One, I think there's a lot of advisors are kind of saying, what, what's the what's the point in in mm. this? Um, there's, there's a big and burgeoning D2C market out there where I think it'll uncover right. things in the D2C market. That, that that's going to get bigger as well, probably. Yeah, I think so. So I think it's kind of important. Mm. We forget about that part of it on, sitting on the side of the fence that we sit, but that's, yeah. that's going to be part of yeah. it. And I actually think there's quite a few deals out there that are really genuinely murky. That yeah. If they ever did come out, then quite a few advisors would be um, more interested in it than they are at the moment, <laughs> for example. You know, we've seen... Uh, pay-to-play deals, for example, with product providers, the amount of furore around it and the whole inducements, rules, and all that tightening up uh, was big news a few years ago. Yeah. Um, what a number of the bigger groups and big distribution groups out there just would basically just moved it onto, onto platforms rather than product providers as well. 
and I'm not convinced that all of those things have been, been ironed out along the way. So I think that the upshot, would, the, the thing that would be nice to come out of that asset management, sorry, the, the, the platform uh, research, would be if platform money was just a bit easier to shift from, from place to place. And I think the one thing that platforms don't do that providers used to do was allow you to move money. There was a market basically that, that kind of went, if, I, you know, if, if this particular provider is making such a mess of it, um, I'll just move the money somewhere else. Yeah. There was a lot of problems with that at the same time because you get paid commission each time you did it, obviously <laughs> pre-RDR. However, um, at the moment, um, there's perhaps a little bit too much complacency, maybe amongst advisors, but certainly amongst platforms where the money goes onto a platform. I mean, we have seen, for all the talk about platform costs coming down, we've seen the likes of Eccentric effectively tweak the platform costs up um, under the guise of it being a, a far more transparent fee structure. Um, and you think actually that you know that's a slightly more expensive transparent fee structure than it right. was was beforehand. Right. So right. That there's a slight danger that that platform costs do just try and start. They've already normalised and they're not yeah. going to go down too much because everybody realises that it's too difficult to move the, the money off a platform. Yeah. And you, sorry. Yeah. I mean, just with you, you going back to your early point about kind of providers, how we we need to get a platform. We need to. It's going to be the future. And to now, from, from previous years, to now when you've got people like Old Mutual saying £450 million for this re-platform exercise, I mean, do you think there's almost a bit of a regret on some providers' behalf to, 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 buy, to, to get into the platform world? The, the, there's a regret that the world moved in that direction in the first place because platforms are far lower margin than old-fashioned products were. Yeah. were. yeah, so it's basically it's a, most of those, those life companies that moved in that direction, some of them did it um, with a bit more foresight um, and, and earlier than others, but it was—it's entirely a defensive play. You, you'd be—you'd far more, far rather be charging big fat fees on an old-fashioned product than you would on a, you know, running a skinny margin, really hard, really demanding as well. Um, product, if if you want to call it a product, yeah. like a like a like a, a platform. That's it's tough to make any money out of. So. Most of them have got there out of the fact that this is the way in which you know, ad advisors have headed in this direction and they've forced um, product, old-fashioned product providers to move into the new world. Um, so, yeah, the, the regret's not necessarily we wish we hadn't done it. I think the regret is we wish everybody hadn't made us do it in the first place. <laughs> We've seen the same thing with Robo now as well. So, yeah. um, again, in terms of you know, sort of Robo advice, has got, it's got great potential. Um, but a lot of the big players out there that are, are piling into this market and they're starting to buy it up is about protecting the back book of business and servicing that. And, and that, that isn't necessarily a terrible thing, but that's the reason for moving into that market as opposed to let's set up you know, tomorrow with zero clients and expect a load of people to start piling into it, doing it that way. Just, just before we move on, I would, I would sort of, one, one thing on the platform paper is just how it might touch on what we call vertical integration. So it kind of it's a sort of doorway into these firms where they kind of the business that has owns everything, right? It's the vertically integrated business where you make the make the product and you have the distribution, own the distribution. So you know, like any sort of manufacturer that like owns its own shop, like Lush or Games Workshop, a vertical, very successful vertically integrated, integrated business. business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find where, where's the commonality? Yeah, yeah. don't know, but um. You know that, that those those firms, which are, which have, I think some advisors have become frustrated with, feeling there's maybe a little bit of they, they sort of don't get the the scrutiny or the hard time that they do as IFAs, 
but it sort of seemed like they were on a slightly different track. I mean, they do something different, and it's sort of what are you trying? The challenge for the, the FCA was sort of what are you trying to measure these measure these firms by? You know, um, expensive compared compared to what? I suppose so. So is this? You know, is, I mean, so people have said that platform pay is sort of a way into to not, not some how you know punishing these firms or anything like that, but just just to kind of no, to, to to talk yeah, more about understanding them, what know. the business model yeah. looks like, and I, th I think w the, the one thing that w we're yet to see unfold, um, but uh, you know, the early signs at the moment for me is that vertical. I don't have any issues at all with vertical integration, apart from it sounding like a, another ridiculous phrase that we've come up with for it. It doesn't. It doesn't grab a headline. No, we have, but to it, think, we have to be more inventive. Yeah, <laughs> but it's um, in, in a way controlling controlling all of these aspects of it can help reduce overall cost. I mean, Transact own their own technology, for example, and have been able to control. They're not faced with a £450 million uh, bill as a result. Yeah. Um, if you look at some of the um, some of the advice firms that have effectively become platform operators, um, the question you've got, got to ask is, have they done that so that they can bring in a really cheap, low-cost platform like an SEI or Pershing or dealing with FNZ Direct rather than through somebody else, for example, which is really much more lower cost than going through somebody who's effectively retailing it out. Yeah. Um, have they done that just so that they can snaffle the margin and keep the price high? Or have they done that to lower the cost for the end consumer? And to me, yeah, having vertic vertical integration is actually a way of reducing cost to the consumer. What we've seen so far is that too many people have not have basically gone, actually, I'm just going to keep the margin high because I control the advisors, control the distribution. There'll be high there's, no price, there's no price pressure as a result yeah. of that because yeah. no one's knocking on your door saying we need to, yeah. to, we're going to go somewhere else. So that's the, that's the big debate that I think the FCA, you look yeah. at the asset management study, yeah. Yeah. you look yeah. at the platform yeah. paper, that fundamentally is where... Is the, is the ultimate question. That's what they'll be ju judged by ultimately. Uh, is the FCA, audio, everything yeah. you've got, how, how is that? Are, so, is, is it cheaper? So the, so the, yeah. And the FCA have got this competition uh, mandate now to try and see if markets are working because there's enough competition in mm -hmm. it. And fundamentally, this to me is a, a real kind of a, a massive question right throughout the whole industry to yes. say, are people basically acting in the interests of the consumers? Uh, I think I've got the final cracker. Can we top up on Prosecco? We can top up on Prosecco. Definitely, yeah. You're allowed to, Will. Would you like me to? Um... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, thanks, Phil. On that, but here is the final Christmas cracker. Oh, oh. I won one. Oh. I won one. I've got, what have I got? I've got a moustache. Oh, those are the best. Moustaches and those little bits of metal that you have to put together and then work yeah. out. So I'm, I, everyone can verify I'm wearing the moustache. Yeah, you yeah. The moustache is on. Uh, I've also got. You, you're not. You're just holding it there. I'd like. I'd like to <laughs> see you insert kind of push those it into your scepter. <laughs> it's not a video, guys. There's no video here. And I've got a, a joke. Uh, why is money called dough? Why? I don't know. Because we all need it. Ah, yes. They're quite good uh, these jokes, actually. I'm quite did, impressed with the jokes. Where, where, where did they come from? The I'm cracker. Not, they, came from, sure. they came from inside the cracker. This is what we, we did when Will was on holiday for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> this is spent a long time researching these jokes. And I've also got a headline, which is FCA, colon, fund managers do not provide value for money, which was the sh shocking news earlier this year that the FCA really don't like active management and released a very, very damaging damning report on the asset management sector in its final asset management market study. I think, uh, I don't know if you say, as I say, the FCA don't like active management. I think mean, it's <laughs> a bit far, but uh, quite a lot of fun. But, uh, but certainly they, they kind of identified as, I think, 
many people had identified that a lot of managers aren't as good as other managers or haven't performed as well or delivered as much for their clients or their, their investors as, as other managers. And, um, but the, the amount you pay for that isn't, it doesn't, I think they were saying, doesn't seem to be reflected uh, in, in that. That's not reflected, sorry, the other way around. That's not, ref, it's not reflected in the amount you pay. So, um, yeah, that was, I mean, it was, I don't know, a lot of people feel that maybe the FCA those didn't go, it pulled its punches perhaps in, in this, this study. It was, a, it was something a lot of asset management firms are very worried about. And then it was kind of... Uh, okay bottled it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, the, I, I think that's... Uh, it, there's a number of these studies going on at the moment. So we've got the platform one. We've also got the... Uh, there's one out on, on mortgages at the moment as well that the FCA have, have, have kicked off. And I think there's a... There's, there's a, light, a train of thought at the moment that the FCA are basically going very hard with an interim report. So the, the one that everybody refers to is, was actually the FCA's interim report. Which was shocking which when it came out. Which was shocking when it came out. Which was a shock to everyone. Yeah. And, 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 and you look at it and think, you know, this, this is, there's not a lot in there that they quoted as being opinion. You know, they actually backed it up with a load of facts, a load of data, mm. and a load of stats or whatever. So for them to pull back on it, um, I, I, okay, you could argue they weren't pulling back. It, it makes me feel as though it, it, it feels a little bit like the FCA basically going in hard with the interim report, expecting the industry to react to it and to correct themselves and kind of go, oh, you know, we, you know, we we agree, we're going to have to kind of. We're very sorry. It, we're very sorry. We'll make the changes now for you. It, it's Mr. yeah. It, it, I mean, it's just quite a political that you know. There's probably some sort of nudge unit at the FCA that's kind of. Well, there is got a nudge unit a, at the FCA. There's a behavioural yeah. economics unit. At the there, FCA. there you go. So it feels a bit like. Like that, I, I know a few fund managers, and they could not care less about words like opinion. Um, you know, we are dis so the, the FCA language, the kind of nudge language, like, you know, um, we were concerned that some asset managers, blah blah blah. Mm. They'll, I know that they read that and go, all oh, right, you know, unless you prize What's those bits line? off my yeah. out of my hand, then. They're not going to do anything about it because they are the very black and white, the very binary in their approach. And and the one bit of sympathy that I have, and I don't have an awful lot of sympathy with them, to be honest with you, is that a lot of them turn around and say to me, "This is these are IFAs. You know, why are you beating us up for, for for charging a load of money? Mm. If we don't represent value for money, advisors are being paid yeah. to actually make that decision as to whether you invest in us or not. Because most of the most of the asset flow that they get, if you take the the DTC stuff out of it, and there was a big piece in that that interim study on DTC as well. Um, if you take that out of the equation, a lot of those asset managers get all of their money in through through advisors. So, I, I think on this particular topic, m most people, if you're talking about pension providers, ad you know, advisors themselves are all used to that kind of language around. We're a bit disappointed because we didn't like that, and we'll kind of like go, all right, we'll better do something about mm -hmm. it with asset managers. We might see a few things on the surface, but I don't think fundamentally that most of them react to things other than, yeah, it needs to be pretty black and white. I think, yeah, I mean, I think with the, the advice, their regulation and advice sector, I mean, if you look at what happens at the start of the year, the FCA issued an alert out saying, we are concerned about DB transfer advice, which we're seeing in the market. And since that moment, we've seen a huge amount of action, firms getting their permissions removed, etc. Whereas the FCA here have said they're very concerned about the asset management market study, but we're not likely to, asset management sector, but we're not likely to see firm intervention, reaction 
I'll be in the next couple of years. Well, one of the, one of the interesting things as well was, as I understand it, um, that the asset management paper was done almost in isolation, so it wasn't done in consultation with the supervision team within the FCA and things like that as well. So it kind of so that so I mean I, I liked in a way I think that's a good thing because they, they sent out that interim study was basically a piece of independent research mm. where they hadn't been talked down by other people internally to say you can't do that because here's the consequences here's exactly, what's going to yeah. happen so again yeah that the, that might have happened between the interim report and the final one that went out there's probably a bunch of people that said look if you go in too hard here then this is what's going to happen mm. and here's all the unforeseen consequences that I mean, are going to arise as a result. And it is much bigger than like going after a few other things. <laughs> like, you know, there's a, it's a lot of money involved and, and some a lot sort of, of market. Money. But yeah, there's a market, you know, the market, yeah, it's, 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 the, the FCA does, does have like a responsibility that's, you know, to, to not kind of shake things too hard when there's no kind of when, when they're looking at something like well we think this costs too much for example or you know people aren't getting value for money based on performance it's not like they've uncovered some great crime that's happened you know so i think so that's the difference with sort of being able to pick on firms and saying well you didn't do this follow this process correctly or you didn't disclose this or that it's quite different but yeah you're right i mean then they say you know the, the weight of responses was massive and, and some of them longer than the actual report. longer than the yeah. report i don't yeah. and that you know obviously that was significant and that of course yeah that would have that would have had an effect and i think as I said about the platform review, is that then people thought, well, do, where, where does this go from here? What effect does it have? And the next thing we heard about was, was a platform review. So I think a natural response was to say, oh, well, ooh, you know, someone, someone lobbied well you know, to make it. But the point that was brought up there, I think, unless I'm mistaken, was, and it may have been dis <coughs> mis misdirected, but it was this idea of shopping or advisors, whoever, shopping on behalf of the client. So that the, 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 whether, it was a, whether it was a platform, whatever, you're, the person paying for everything isn't the person who makes the choice because you're going, obviously going to see an advisor who's doing that for you. And so that's where this kind of right, this competition element comes into it. Mm -hmm. this, the, 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 how hard is your advisor working for you? How, or how hard is that whole chain working for the client to kind of leverage the best deal possible? At times there's a bit of complacency creeps in, I think, amongst the advisor community to say, because we don't charge commission anymore, We've kind of arrived at wherever we need to get to, and I think some of these things that we're, we're talking about, mm. um, you know, we'll get there eventually with it. But um, it's just a question of being vigilant about it and kind of accepting the fact that, um, I mean, that the, the whole inducements thing. I've, I've seen people write comments on, you know, on your own website, things like that, saying, well, "Why does it matter if?" I mean, one guy I remember saying, "Just because somebody, you know, we all know that just, just, you know, somebody." Um, gives us some tickets for to go to Wimbledon or to go to the football or whatever, and I give them a bit of business as a result. What's the problem with that? And you think, you've just written what the problem is in your own comments. <laughs> you, need, you need to say anything Do you without want, comment. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah. I mean, even yeah. at that that very small level, um, I think we're heading in the right direction in a lot of I mean, I, things, I, I so can assume like. the answer, but you went to the Next Gen Conference last week? Or, mm -hmm. I mean, do you think the next generation of advisors have this I think what, what they don't have is the baggage that comes with it. So I do think that a lot of advisors out there um, used to work for um, an insurance company or a bank and stuff like that. So um, yeah, a, a lot of the, the, the sort of the passion for platforms, if you like, again, comes back to the fact that uh, yeah, a few years ago that 
they knew that these guys were, what they were doing in the past was bad. So it was kind of a reaction against that. The interesting thing for these guys, yeah, wind the clock on another 10 years, is that there isn't necessarily that same kind of career path that people have gone through. So there isn't, a, there isn't something for them to, to react against in quite the same way. So there the, the genuinely is, for the first time, a bit of a clean sheet of paper that people can start to... Well, there isn't an, as emotive an emotional response to it one way or another. Uh, we don't have any Christmas crackers left, but I did want to ask both of you, you can ask me as well, what your biggest prediction for t the biggest story of 2018 is going to be. Can I, get, can I go last, Jack? You can go last, Will. I'll allow you to go last. Thanks. Phil, I have thought, do you want to go first? Just You're going you. first, Jack. I'm going first. Okay, ask me the question. <laughs> well, what is your prediction, Jack, for 2018? <laughs> okay, my, the, bit, the, the biggest story of 2018, I think, will be the advice gap. I, I don't think actually it's been written about a huge amount this year, but I think it will come to a, a, a climax into 2018, maybe towards the end of 2018, when the regulator, when the public... Um, journalists or whatever, realise that we are really short of advisors and that's causing problems. And Phil, so what's your big, the big story for 2018 going to be? I, I'm, I'm going to be predictable and carry on with the DB transfer <laughs> stuff for it. But, <laughs> but what I would say, it's kind of a continuation of, your, of the theme there is um, it's never been easier at the moment um, to invest money. Um, I, I, th I think it's, it's relatively simple if you're, if you, if you, if you're young, if you're accumulating a few quid each month into an ISA or a pension. In some respects, it doesn't matter which one it is now. It's never been easy to do that. There's loads of, of online resources, and that's just going to keep growing and growing over, over the course of the next year and beyond, uh, where, in, in, in contrast, it's never been harder and more complicated to retire. So I think what we'll see over the course of 2018 is basically not, not necessarily just a review of what's happened with DB transfers and the FCA review and things like that, but basically an attempt to, to try and work out whose fault and whose responsibility it is. I don't see any way that advisors aren't going to end up being blamed to some extent about it, but I do think there's probably a need um, to look at it from a, a government policy position as well and kind of say, well, we've actually started the ball rolling off with, in this, you know, with this with pension freedoms. Is that something that we called right? You know, it, uh, yeah, it'd be relatively easy, I would have thought, to, for Labour, if they caught up, up, up to this one, to actually look at it and say, oh, this is a piece of Conservative Party politics that's gone wrong. You give them too much credit for that. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> I probably am. Um, you've already got some of the people that were championing pension freedoms that are now jumping on the British Steel bandwagon that I've seen saying, oh, this is terrible, what's going on? You think, well, actually, you know, the environment's been created and caused that's caused this. So... I think what we'll start to see, and, and, and I think we're seeing already, um, there's, a, there's, a, a degree, there's a bit of a PR exercise going on with some of the bigger companies and with the government around trying to wash their hands of the problems, and with the FCA. Um, I think we're going to see that wash out over the course of next year because fundamentally, you know, whether this was the right or the wrong decision is to, to go into to do a transfer or not, we're not really going to know for a good few years. Um, what we do know is um, people will start to kind of absolve themselves of the of the blame in future for it. We'll see a few scandals and a few you know, bad stories, as we've seen at the moment, crop out for it. Uh, and, and I think it will just be a general dis distancing themselves from the um, from the eventual problem that's going to happen in a few years' time. And uh, Will, so your biggest story. so so, my, so mine, I mean, it's not quite it's quite scandalous actually. I mean, may, maybe a bit self serving in a way, but um, just a, just a advice. I think you know, just thinking about our profession as it is at the moment. Um, I think we're going to. I think we will see some good news stories 
from advice this year. I think next year. 2018. Yeah, this year that's coming. That's right, Jack. Um, 2018. Yeah, I think we we'll see, see some good news news stories. I think particularly from um, the next gen planners movement and those those young people uh, who who are kind of uh, have an incredible enthusiasm for advice. Um, don't have this baggage as Phil was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know how long it's been going, maybe some 18 months or so, this kind of little movement, but um, I, I'd, I'd suggest everyone kind of young or old takes a look at it and gets involved. I think it's great. I think it's very positive. And I think as far as Rick is, I mean, from, from my perspective as kind of editor of New Model Advisor, you know, we, we've kind of, the, the RDR sort of changed a lot of things and brought everyone into a certain area of, of charging fees and having qualifications and so on. But I think Phil mentioned earlier there's a sort of complacency perhaps set in a few things, things have settled down. Um, and for, you know, from my perspective, this is nothing to do with next-gen planners, but I do think it's sort of time to kind of, you know, we'll, we'll start looking at what would we would constitute as the new, new, new model, so to speak. You know, and... Um, new model plus. Yeah, but you know, this, uh, you know, it's important. It's important because you talk about the British deal and so on. And there's some people who are giving uh, pro bono advice, and there's people people going out their way to help, and there's people who are unhelpful. Okay, and this is really important for the profession that those uh, good advisors, good quality advisors, get uh, uh, accounted. Um, but also, you know, from our perspective, you know, what are what are what are firms doing to kind of keep pushing the bar up? And obviously, qualifications and transparency is really important. But I think we're seeing more people talking about the succession plans as well, which I'll just say I, 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 I tend to like. You can just tell me if you disagree, but I kind of like that in a firm that if I was going to that firm, or for example, I was sending my mum uh, to, uh, to, to an advisor, that, that she wouldn't be sold, <laughs> or that firm wouldn't, wouldn't disappear, that they would carry on, there'd be continuity, that I knew who I was dealing with uh, for a long period of time. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with selling your business, but I just think that's a nice attribute, and among others, that I think are good. So, um, yeah, I think I think, but I think seeing if I was to think particularly about next gen planners, um, who, as I say, I like, and we do a lot of next gen advice stuff in the magazine. Um, that's something that has some momentum with it, and I think 2018 will be a good year. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Hope you have a great Christmas. To tune in every week, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search New Model Advisor. You can also listen on our website and tell us what you think about each episode on our Twitter at New Model Advisor.